0: This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B, or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly.
1: Black and Blue Report is back from Studio B here on this Wednesday. Uh, Happy holidays, everybody. Hope everybody had a great Christmas and a Hanukkah that is, I think, now complete, so we're back in kind of regular mode. yeah, sort of. Stop it. I've been eating like you wouldn't believe. And I don't see that any until the end of the week. I need to hit the gym. Today, though, in Studio B. Back in here for the first time in a long time. Good to be with you. I'm Sean Kelly. We've got Saints, NFL, and Pelicans talk for you today. We kind of get things really flying on this Wednesday. Obviously, the Saints are gearing up for their regular season finale and a shot at the division this weekend against Tampa Bay. We'll talk with Mike Garofalo from the NFL Network about the Saints, their final regular season game. Their two rookie stars and the playoff picture as it uh, is set to finally get cleaned up, finished up, buttoned up this weekend across the NFL. And the Pelicans are back home tonight to start a three game homestand. It's a busy week for the Pels. They play tonight against Brooklyn, Friday against Dallas, and Saturday against the New York Knicks. And so good to be home all week, but also ready to go here after. Two straight wins to end the most recent road trip. I got a good feeling, and we kind of had a little mini All-Star break there. The Pelicans have not played uh, since the weekend, so uh, this is a nice little break for a team that hopes to finish out the month the right way. And if they do that, they're going to be in good shape. Several games over 500, and then get set for a busy January. David Wesley stops by today. It's a Wesley Wednesday. We'll do it in studio today as a... Dub is getting ready for his broadcast tonight on Fox Sports New Orleans. We're uh, going to get his thoughts on this recent road trip and, of course, this homestand that starts tonight. So plenty, plenty to go. Hope uh, you're faring the weather okay wherever you are. I know that a lot of our listeners to this podcast are scattered across the country. And when you look at the national weather map right now, ooh, and not so much a good thing here in the South, either. It's just kind of a gross day. So, good day for a podcast, good day for lots of good conversation. And we'll do it starting with Mike Garofalo from the NFL Network after this first time out. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top
0: quality ingredients it would grow to become something that connected us. The neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that
1: 1907 recipe. Original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more. And always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana.
0: What is big? Big is Drew Holiday. Red hot from the perimeter and ice at the foul line. Big as DeMarcus Cousins, a 6'11 defensive flamethrower that vaporizes man-on-man coverage. Big as Anthony Davis, a laser-guided missile of athleticism aimed at the rim. Come see the Pels do battle against the Brooklyn Nets Wednesday, December 27th at the Smoothie King Center. Visit Pelicans.com for tickets. New Orleans Pelicans, do it big. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report.
1: Welcome back. Our Saints and NFL conversation today is with Mike Garofalo, the uh, reporter from NFL Network. He's been with us before. It's been a while, but we're so pleased to have him back, and the timing is just right as we are entering the final weekend of the NFL's regular season. Mike, I don't know how you're getting through the last week with all the weather situations around the country, but we're... Glad to have you and hope you're doing all right.
2: Yeah, hanging in there, it's a little chilly here in uh, Jersey as I make my way down to, uh, to Baltimore for the day to check in on the Ravens. It's, I mean, we're, we're talking highs in the 20s all week long uh, here in Jersey, and you, as you go further north up to places like Boston, it gets even colder.
1: No doubt. It's crazy. Heck, it's even nasty and wet and cold by our standards down here. In the Gulf South. Hey, Mike. I do. I did want to really talk more NFC than anything else. But since you're going to Baltimore today, man, is that is that the most undertold story of the AFC right now? The Ravens and their situation.
2: I mean, I guess it is. But it, you know, a lot of the, uh, the things that have happened here is you get so much focus on some of the some of the. I mean, there's been so much to talk about with New England and Pittsburgh and. Uh, even Jacksonville has become a hot topic. So a lot of these other teams that are kind of just hanging on and fighting for dear life have been under the radar. But as we get into this final week and a lot of stuff has already settled uh, in that AFC, you're going to be uh, hearing more about the Ravens. And, I, I listen, I've been saying that that's a team that just kind of hanging around there. They haven't been doing, you know, middle of the season. They they, they were playing really good defense, but offensively they weren't really doing Things uh, they weren't doing any one particular thing great, and and all of a sudden they kind of came together against that uh, against the Lions a couple of weeks ago, and you said, all right, looks like it might be a typical Raven season, and by that I mean one where they they really start off sluggish, and start playing their best football when it matters the most. And, and if you're looking for a team that's not going to be intimidated going into New England in January, it's going to be this team because they've gone in there before. They beat them. I, I mean, look, a lot of the faces have changed, but you've got guys like Terrell Suggs down there who've been telling some of these younger guys, look, this is, this, this is how it happens. This is what we've done before. This is how you can do it. And they, they start to believe that stuff. So this is a dangerous team for sure.
1: No doubt. No doubt. Hey, we'll circle back to the AFC in a moment. NFC wise, what are the things that intrigue you the most here entering the final weekend of play?
2: Well, I, you know, you, you know who's kind of getting in here, but but there's just so much in flux, and uh, you know, the Saints in particular can go anywhere from what, uh, you know, three down to the down to the five. If, if I'm not, or are they still alive for the two? Right?
1: They're not alive for the got two, to, but they could move to no, the three.
2: To three. Yeah. And they could go all the way down to five. I think is their is their floor, right?
1: Yes. Yes.
2: So I, you, you got these intriguing matchups here that that you know, are they are they going to wind up I'm actually looking forward to the to the second round. You know, I'm I'm looking for you know, who's going to get Philly because to me that's the vulnerable team after you saw it uh, on on Monday night. And you know, I I think Nick Foles is not going to be as bad in the postseason as we saw against the Raiders, but I don't think he's going to be as good as you saw against the Giants. So I put him somewhere in between, and, and that makes this team vulnerable. That makes this team beatable, and a team that can rush the passer, a team that could bring let's say Cam Jordan and put him in in his face and Uh, have stout guys in the middle like Jeldon Rankins could really create problems for this uh, Philadelphia Eagles team.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, by the way, the last playoff win for the Saints was at Philadelphia. So, I don't think the venue is... I covered
2: that game. Yes, you did. That that Eagles team never got going that day. Uh, And they were just a hair off here and there. And uh, the Saints came in there and played physical football. I mean, look, it's a team that and I expected this year is not going to play like a dome team because they're not like a dome team. They're a physical team uh, they can run the ball. That running game is going to travel. Certainly, nobody wants to see the Saints, even if it's not in the Superdome uh, this this soft season, this postseason.
1: Interesting. I, I'm assuming you think that they win the division this weekend over Tampa Bay, uh, but yet again, Mike, Tampa Bay hasn't exactly rolled over yet here either, have they?
2: No, they haven't. And they still have talent. Um, you know, they, they still have guys that are playing for pride there. So you you never know. And and certainly with Jameis Winston. Uh, he he's got a he's got to put something together going into the offseason here. So that that makes him. I am I am extremely disappointed in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I really thought that A to D this was going to be an incredibly strong division. Uh, I I I really thought Tampa was going to be able to put it together. I, I I'm mad at myself because a lot of times the teams that make that, that make the splashes in the off season and the signings like let's say Deshaun Jackson and they spend a ton of money or the teams that uh, aren't able to put it together. So I probably should have seen that one coming. Uh, but I really thought that they had a, a balanced roster, talent across the board, a great defensive coordinator uh, and, and veteran leadership. Boy, was I wrong about that team. I really was.
1: Is this Dirk Cutter's last game with Tampa Bay?
2: I believe so. Truly really believe so. Uh, and I, I could see further changes too. I could see uh, Uh, changes all the way up to general manager, uh, Jason light. And, uh, you know, I I still don't know why they fired Lovey Smith. I mean, I I don't know what the rush was to get uh, their cutter in that job. I gather that there were, you know, they they went in and asked light. The ownership did and asked light from what I was told, you know, kind of to assess things. And, you know, he assessed the roster and said, look, I feel like we've got talent and and just haven't been able to break through in certain areas. And ownership flipped that around and said, okay, we're going to, We're going to fire the coach now. So I I don't, you know, there had been some talk was was Light trying to pull a power play. I don't get that that was the sense. I think ownership made that call on its own. But uh, with some feedback from Light, now I just, at the time I didn't get it. Right now I don't get it. That's not to say that Lovey Smith's on the verge of winning a national championship at Illinois or anything, but I just, I I didn't get that one. I thought that they were at least moving in the right direction with Lovey Smith.
1: Do the Saints get hurt in any way if they don't win the division? this week is it a psychological thing or is there something on the field that would affect them in the postseason tournament
2: no i mean i look you you, you want to be able to play at home in the superdome that's for sure but but theoretically if uh uh if they had to go on the road here I, I don't see any team that's really a massive home field advantage that they'd have to go play against i just don't see that in the nfc anywhere um you go down the list of contenders. I mean, they, they, they can go win in, in Carolina. They've gone to one in Carolina before. I mean, they can go win in uh, – uh, the Rams don't have a massive home field advantage for sure. I mean, look, Minnesota, I think, might actually be a tough place to win because I, I really feel like the energy is there. Uh, I feel like those guys have the confidence. I feel like Chase Keenum probably playing out of the elements would be better for him. Uh, so that might be a tough – spot to play but and and we've already mentioned philly i mean what happens if you have to go to philly you're not going to be intimidated you saw with the raiders who do not have a great secondary i mean they they were giving up 69 percent completion percentage which was the worst in the nfl going into that game i mean and they played like you know uh, the ravens defense of old and 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 some of the great secondaries that you ever want to see are all over guys so i i i don't think you you're intimidated at all to go into philly right now
1: okay i agree with you there um Mike, one of the great things about having you uh, on today is, is I need a little perspective here. I'm in this building here in New Orleans just about every day. It's easy for me to get sucked into um, stuff that's in front of my face all the time, and maybe I don't step back far enough. Marshawn Lattimore, Alvin Kamara, the, the rookie of the year type talk. Is it, is it real? Is it legit? Can it happen for uh, you know somebody in a, in a Saints uniform?
2: I don't see how it doesn't happen for, for Kamara. I mean, um, the, the numbers are – are I, he's as balanced a rookie running back as we've ever seen. I mean, you, you look at some of the numbers that he's been able to put up. I mean, there, there have been guys that have rushed for way more yardage uh a rookie running back. But the fact that he is a dual threat the way that he is, and it's not – so so much is going through. I mean, you saw with the Atlanta game in Atlanta uh, a couple of weeks ago when he went down, it, that really screwed things up because so much had gone through him or so much was planned to go through him. Uh, so now you're, you're pushing 800 yards receiving, uh, and I believe he's – I don't think he's over 700 yards rushing right now. I think he's close, right? Um, yep. He's like in the high sixes. Uh, it, it, the, the best rookie running back season ever, I was looking at this, would have been 800 and 800. Doesn't look like he's going to get there. Uh, but he's pushing that. So this is this is one of the better uh, rookie-balanced running back seasons we've ever seen. And, and Marshawn Lattimore, uh, the thing that's impressing me with, with Lattimore is his recognition, uh, his ability to make plays in the ball. I'm blanking on when it was. There was an interception uh, a couple of games ago. It may have been against Atlanta. I'm, I'm blanking. But he, the way that he read the receiver, he had his back to the quarterback and was able to turn around because he was reading his keys on the wide receiver, spin around, make the play. Uh, and, and intercept the ball there, that's veteran-type stuff. You don't usually see that. I mean, I, for a guy to cover or to take a chance and make a play on a ball, let's say like Marcus Peters, that kind of guy who did that early in his career, fine. But for him to be reading the keys the way he is right now and playing as well as he has, it's ridiculous. I, I, to, to me, he's the, he's the defensive rookie of the year.
1: It's interesting. I, I think that all of a sudden high expectations for Marshawn as the 11th overall pick, but I don't think anybody could have predicted this in his impact upon the Saints' defense. No. No. Uh, Mike, hey, two things before I let you go here, and I know you're on the move. Number one is the MVP race still up for grabs. If it's not, who's the winner? If it is, who's in contention?
2: I mean, I'm still, you know, I'm still, I'm still all about Brady. Uh, I, I get the girly stuff, I do, um, but I just, to me, and I, and I hate this. I really hate this because I also think that Antonio Brown should get some recognition, but. Take Antonio Brown away from the Steelers, let him play a game. Take Tom Brady away from the Patriots, let him play a game. And what's the difference? I mean, it's, you, can, you can get by without Brown or Gurley or one of these guys. You're not going to be as good, no kidding. But I, And I hate that. I hate to say that because you lock yourself into a quarterback every year because anytime you take away a quarterback in this league, the way this league is right now, uh, clearly, the, the quarterback's going to win, by the, but by definition, most valuable player, I mean, I've, I've got to go Brady for what they were able to do, and and anybody early in the season that was talking about, especially after week one, oh, Brady looks 40 all of a sudden. Oh, I, I, you got to be kidding me. Guy looks as good as ever.
1: <laughs> so, you lean toward the most valuable as opposed to the most outstanding uh, definition. I, I do, and,
2: and you know what? If, if we called it most outstanding, then yes, then that would change and I'd probably go Antonio Brown. I would seriously, but I just and I hate to be that that stickler for every little syllable of uh, of the way you characterize uh, a, an award. But you're right. If you if you said to me most outstanding, that would absolutely change my vote on that. I'm for glad. Sure.
1: Yeah, I'm glad that you're. I mean, to me, we're in the same boat on this deal. It's two clear definitions, uh, and that yep. we just happen to call this one most valuable player. Uh, last thing's this, Mike, uh, and that is this. Uh, as it shapes up, you know, going into this final week, just jump, leapfrog over the final uh, regular season games here and tell me which tournament is is more interesting, will be more exciting, AFC or NFC?
2: Uh, probably the NFC, and I say that because, well, there's two ways of looking at that. I could say the NFC because it's more wide open. I mean, I give one to six the shot to get through, whereas in the AFC, Nobody's going to be – I mean, no, forget it. You're not asking nobody. You're asking me. I'm not picking the Jaguars. Uh, if Tennessee sneaks in, I'm not picking Tennessee. I'd give the Ravens a puncher's chance, but I wouldn't pick them. I'm, I'm looking at one-two there and a showdown between the Patriots and the, and the Steelers. But that being said, I think you've got better football in the AFC. I mean, I, if, if it's Nick Foles versus Case Keenum in the NFC, that's not the game that we were looking forward to uh, at the start of training camp. That's for sure. So I, I, I think entertaining-wise – you're probably going to see better football in the AFC but the entertainment value of anybody having a shot that's your tournament in the a- in the NFC for sure
1: fair enough I know Saints fans would love to think black and gold in the Super Bowl um, but I'm sure a lot of folks in the league would like to see maybe that Minnesota hosting uh, their first ever Super Bowl in Minneapolis might be all pretty good storyline too so we'll see how that plays yeah, out yeah
2: I mean look you, you, you yeah you've got both there I, I do you listen if I'm looking for the most complete team uh, I'm looking at I'm looking at the Saints and I'm looking at probably the Rams in the NFC right now. I really do believe that those are the teams that can do a little bit of everything.
1: Could be interesting, very interesting. One of the great follows, of course, in the NFL. Mike Garafalo from the NFL Network. You can follow him on Twitter, obviously, and then oh, just about every day on NFL Network. Safe travels and enjoy the final weekend, Mike. I'm sure we'll run into you somewhere along the way here in the coming weeks. You got it, guys. Thank you. Mike Garofalo, NFL Network. We'll continue with David Wesley. A little Pelicans talk next.
0: Boom! Now Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. This Pelican season, the entire family can do it big with the Pierre's Party Pack presented by Cheetos Popcorn. Pelican's ticket packages are available for select home games and include three or more tickets, combo meals, Cheetos popcorn, and an on-court free throw experience with Pierre the Pelican, all for as low as $54. The next Pierre's Party Pack night is December 29th against the Dallas Mavericks. For more information and to plan your next big night out with a gang, visit pelicans.com today. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report.
1: An in-studio visit today from David Wesley. At home, nonetheless. No coffee shop. You're going smoothie today, aren't you? I am
3: going smoothie. I'm I'm trying to uh, take some of this weight off. I've been told that I, you know, I'm a little chunky in my pictures, and and I'm getting ready for my new picture um, by getting in the gym and drinking smoothies. So I can be skinnier.
1: I have a better solution for you. What's that. Come stand next to me. (laughs) (laughs) You'll immediately be super
3: slim. No, no, we'll have none of that. Yes. That was an outsider who who criticized my chunkiness in my pictures. I'm offended.
1: Honest talk during the holidays. Yes, yes. yes.
3: And I ate like I'm fat. Oh, (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I have.
1: By the way, it's a Wesley Wednesday. And David Wesley (laughs) Studio B for the Black and Blue Report. Pella can start a homestand tonight. More on that in a moment. Um, I have eaten everything, mm-hmm. and I and I find here's the dangerous thing. Every time I go to the crab dip or the extra serving of mashed potatoes or whatever, I go. oh, it's Christmas. It's the yes. holidays. Yes, yes. Why not? It's the holidays. At some point, that has to
3: end. I I think I've uh, stepped back. Hopefully, you have? Uh, yeah. It's okay. New Year's is around the corner, and I need to be on the trending downside.
1: Yes. So we will be like everybody else in the country. Yeah. All anew again. I'm going to put it behind me.
3: Do you have a New Year's resolution? No, do you do that? No. Oh. I mean,
1: I have some ideas of what I'd like to do. But
3: you don't announce them
1: and make them a thing? Because then I will fail. Ah. Just like everybody else. Correct. Is there ever been a New Year's... Re- See, those that don't know David like I know David, when he sets his mind to something... It gets done, mm-hmm. so I've always admired that about you. Thank you, thank you. I think it served you well in your career. And I to tell you I, the truth, yes. yes, And I
3: still don't do a New Year's resolution.
1: Okay, but you still do make a choice and Yes, go. oh, absolutely, oh, yeah. okay. absolutely. So well, I guess this is our New Year's resolution edition of Leslie Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Are you? Do you have something in mind? You said you don't make a resolution, but yet. No, You know, I, you, you know my,
3: my goal this year. Is not to balloon up to two thirty-five, which I do every year, and then over the summer I get, you know, get back down and close to fighting weight, and then season starts and I sit around and and eat and eat and drink you game prep and yes. at odd
1: times and travel and everything else. So, yeah. yeah, okay. Late
3: night eating, all that. So this year was, and I guess uh, you know all year I've been saying, okay, we're not going to get up that high. We're going to keep it. Civilized. (laughs) See, my friends, even pro athletes have the same struggles that we do. Yes, indeed. Because I I like to eat.
1: I I enjoy it. It's a pretty good pastime. Mm -hmm. No, yes. Or time. Right. And then you throw a couple cocktails on top of that. Uh, Yes. Okay. We've totally digressed. Yes. Yes.
3: Are we supposed to be talking basketball or not? We should. Okay,
1: let's do it. We're back home, and the Pelicans are home tonight against the Brooklyn Nets. First of three this week a chance to end the calendar year on a nice run after two wins on the road last week. So since the last Wesley Wednesday, I'm pretty sure it's 2-0, and right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And after what we saw in Washington last Tuesday night, mm-hmm. I wasn't so sure that we would have two wins to talk about coming into today.
3: I wasn't either. And certainly they caught teams at the right time. Uh, they played well. I-, I thought they had a lot more energy – in their back-to-back against Miami, than I thought they might, um, and they found ways to get to get wins and nice blowout, relaxing kind of things. And all teams need that, but they had so much time between games. You wonder the last time they had three days off. Uh, I can't remember which team, but they got blasted. So, uh, and that team was coming off a of back-to-back, just like. Brooklyn's coming in off the back-to-back.
1: That's right. I think you it's
3: Minnesota. It I want to say it was Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. You so, had
1: it teed up and primed and ready to go and face plant. Yes. Yes.
3: So, with that said, you're hoping, especially with this opportunity, to have a five-game win streak uh, and start moving in the right direction as far as creating some space between the 500 mark and wins you would like to, to get. Uh, and I've had somebody predict that the – Pelicans would be 10 games over 500 by February 1st. That would be lovely. Not sure, not sure I see that.
1: I'm not sure I see that stretch. Well, if you do this right this week. And none of these are layups, okay? Right. And we'll talk about why in just a second. If you do that though this week, you're four games under 500 to start January. Four games over. Over 500, yes. right. So you basically would have to be what plus six through January, yes, to get to your ten over. That'd be pretty unbelievable. It would be, be great month. Great, it would be a yeah. But it's realistic. Yes. If you trip and fall in one of these this week, now you're talking about being seven over five hundred for the month of January, and that's. And see, that's that's the thing about this team. That's
3: the frustrating thing about this team. They're capable. There's no question that the the guys in the locker room can get that done. It's just the inconsistent in who's there from night to night, from quarter to quarter, that makes you have pause when you say 10 games over 500. Yes. I've looked at the schedule. I've counted it down. Who's going to be there for the month of January?
1: Good lead in because I wanted to talk to you about quarter to quarter. Mm-hmm. Again, you caught two opponents last week at the right time. Orlando's a wreck. Yes. Miami was beat up, although they did get Dragic back for the Saturday night game, but you had a wire to wire win on Friday. Mm-hmm. And you played more consistently on Saturday against a better opponent than you have in the past. Are they making the turn past the wild swings, bad quarter, good quarter type play that has plagued them through the first two and a half months of the season?
3: I think those are good signs what they did in these last two games. It's hard to jump on the wagon, so to speak, because every time I get all warm and fuzzy and I'm saying, all right, here we go. I mean, this is, this is about to be the stretch. They always hold on. They always do something that, that, that gives you that pause. So um, hope so. Uh, Obviously turnovers, if you're giving teams like Brooklyn extra opportunities and a ton of them, like 22 turnovers, they're going to be around. And this team they didn't go away gracefully against San Antonio last night. They fought and fought and for a long time. You know, it was 64 64, I believe. And uh, then all of a sudden, San Antonio
1: does what they do. do yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah. The better teams, they show what they can do. But uh, they're not going to go away. And we talked about it before we came on beat Washington twice in
1: uh, five days. So they're capable. And they play hard, so it gives them a chance. All right, so back to what we talked about at the start of the week here. Brooklyn tonight, Dallas Friday, Knicks on Saturday. All three winnable games. All three very dangerous teams who have shown they can beat anybody on any given night. And Dallas is in that conversation as far as being world beater one night, doormat the next. So maybe you catch them all right again. But at the same time, if you take care of your business this week, these games should be wins to end the month. I, I agree. And they're at home. Uh, you're coming
3: off of two wins. You have a little momentum if you want to count that being momentum, being there's a gang of days in between your last game and, and this one. So, uh, but focus. Do they have that? The leadership has to step up and say, yeah, two and one, this homestand is unacceptable. 3-0 is the only thing that that's okay. And wow. um and again, winnable games, but you have to come in focused. You have to go at them. Brooklyn, it's it's a really scary team because they're awful. If you watch them, they're awful. And they're right there. <laughs> they're right there. They shooting threes, shooting bad shots, turning it over, but playing hard. Just you know you're you're playing hard, but you're killing me kind of thing. and sometimes if they get hot, they shoot the second most threes uh average in the NBA. That team shoots the second most threes. My boy Quincy AC oh. shot 10 threes last night. He shoots thirty percent from the from three. I, I was amazed and and I'm talking about just they're going they're going. they miss like their first five and hit their next eight out of eleven. It was crazy. And they were right there with San Antonio, so watch out. I mean, you could blow this team out easily. You could also be in a dogfight.
1: All right, tip the cap to their courage. Yes. <laughs> be, like, be like somebody going up to uh, Fashion Week in New York and going, I'm going to get me a model girlfriend. Exactly. Right.
3: <laughs> yeah, <hold laughs> yeah,
1: on. Yeah, slow down. But he's going. He's, he's going hard. Yeah. Yep. All right, fair enough. Um, you've been – Fairly and openly critical of this team over our last several Wesley Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. Let me flip it on you this week. Okay, give me something that you really like about this group heading into these three games. I I like the
3: how their offense has started out in the beginning of the year where it was just the AD cousin show to now second in the NBA or third in the NBA in a, second in the NBA and assists. Uh, per night, which means they're moving the basketball. Other guys are contributing. I like the way their flow on offense is. Uh, they can stay away from the turnovers, obviously, and, and some bad shots. Their defense might not look as bad because they give up so many easy layups and runouts and things like that that make their defense look awful. And, and I like the talent. I like that these guys like to play together. You can see how contagious – passing and moving the ball is and and that's fun to watch there's there's not a ton of selfishness uh, throughout the game every now and then somebody says it's my turn to shoot which is natural and uh, you live with that and you go on but for the most part their offense is where it needs to be now can they match that up with a a little better defense and maybe those you know you start turning losses into wins
1: last thing Ian Clark kind of made a showing last week is uh, Ian Clark coming back to life, and what kind of an effect does that have for this basketball team?
3: Well, over his last six or seven games, he's shooting a, a good percentage, which is not what you would say about him early in the season. He's, he really struggled. But, um, yes, you're starting to see his confidence grow, and confidence is huge in this game, and we all know that. Um, but, you know, I asked him after the game, after last game, did you know it was going to be that kind of night? He said, no, but I hit a couple of, sh- I hit a couple of shots, and then it just kind of got going, um, which is important. I, every time he goes in the game, since his struggles, I've been saying, just let him get one. Just let him get well, Get him a layup. Find a way to get to the, see the ball go in the basket so that he can start getting some of that confidence, and I think he's starting to make that turn.
1: All right, good stuff. David Wesley, Joel Myers, Jen Hale tonight. Fox Sports New Orleans started this, I think, crucial homestand to set up January, obviously. <laughs> Uh, and both New York teams here in one week's time. That's kind of cool, too. Sweet. Yeah, I like when the Eastern Conference teams come in because our fans only get to see them one time a year. Yeah. Yeah, so some uniqueness to this homestand with the Nets here and the Knicks here both this week. All right, my friend. Uh, it'll be 2018 when I next have you for Wesley Wednesday. That's almost sad.
3: 2017 gone. Good riddance. Good riddance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been that kind of year, huh? Okay, okay.
1: Yeah. Moving on. Moving on on. to
3: 2018.
1: Yes. Thank you, sir. Yep. Thank you. David Wesley wraps up our black and blue report today. Mike Garofalo, obviously, thanks to him from the NFL Network. We kind of covered a lot here on this Wednesday. We'll be back with you, I think, uh, with a Facebook Live version of this podcast to end the week. So keep your eyes open for that, both at New Orleans and Pelicans.com. So that'll do it for us. Um, Stay dry. Just stay inside today. It's just awful outside. Or better yet, go out and be inside at the Smoothie King Center tonight. Tickets are available, by the way, for all three games in this homestand. You can call 504-525-HOOP or visit Pelicans.com. Make sure you check out to make sure that you're taking advantage of the best special as well. We always get that Piers party pack. And there's a guys' night out coming up next month uh, that you want to take advantage of as well. All that, of course, again at Pelicans.com. And, of course, our ongoing Saints coverage at NewOrleansaints.com. Obviously, a huge week, a chance to win your first division title since 2011. So, here we go. Giddy up. Mm -hmm. Thanks, gang. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time. I'm Sean Kelly.